From hook and bullet to policy and science, we're here to discuss and dissect all matters of importance to Montana's rugged landscape and the people and wildlife that call it home. This is Montana Untamed. Bighorn sheep are an iconic species in Montana and the West. Rams, which can grow large curving horns, are prized by trophy hunters who will pay thousands of dollars at annual auctions to secure a permit to hunt them. Yet, the species has been plagued by small populations and many herds, die-offs due to disease, and limited success when animals from healthy herds are transplanted to create new populations. Recently, Billings Gazette Outdoor Editor Brett French wrote an article about Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks launching new studies to help guide their bighorn sheep management. He's with me today, and Brett, can you tell us generally what FWP has planned? Yeah, it's uh, pretty extensive. For the next five years, they're investing $8 million into two new studies and continuing with one that's already been started in the Highland Mountains just outside of Butte. And in the Highlands, they've been capturing repeatedly the uh, new herd that was transplanted there and testing them for disease. These animals are all collared so they can capture them. And if they do repeatedly test positive for a virus, then they are removed from the herd. The idea being to get rid of ones that may be shedding the virus and keeping the um, sickness in the herd. And then they're starting two other studies in July. One will collar uh, bighorn sheep across eight herds in the state and also collar domestic sheep to try and understand how domestic sheep and wild sheep are interacting. And this is important because it's believed that uh, while both of them carry uh, bacteria known as uh, mycoplasma, Ova pneumoniae, or MOV for short, which is a lot easier to pronounce, uh, there's some concern that domestic herds may cause outbreaks of the disease or of the virus in um, bighorn sheep, which can cause pneumonia and, and lead to death. And then another study they're doing is to try and understand what the best management options are for managing bighorn sheep adaptively like they do with other uh, populations. Uh, in the past, in the bighorn sheep management plan, there was a goal to increase the population of bighorn sheep across the state, create more populations. But it's really been hard to find places where bighorn sheep won't overlap with domestic sheep. The Bridger Mountains is an example. There was a proposal to transplant some sheep there, but uh, there's nearby hobby and small populations of domestic sheep. There's also mountain goats in that area, and they can also carry the virus. So that's a brief breakdown on some really difficult work that they're undertaking for the next five years. So 
you know, I think the common conception is that the domestic sheep are, or at least, you know, within the conservation conversation, the idea is that keeping the domestic and the wild sheep separate um, prevents that pneumonia from transferring to the domestic sheep. As you know it, has there been a study that is like compared that, has there been a study to look at collaring both the wild and domestic and see when and where they interact? Um, no, it's the first time that I know of that there's been this type of cooperative agreement between domestic producers and, and wildlife because wildlife groups, because in the past they've off, often been at odds over the issue. And so this, this will be a, a nice chance to break down some of those barriers and do a, a proactive investigation of, of what's really going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned... You know, and then you mentioned um, FWP and other conservation groups have kind of been up against a wall finding new areas to start, you know, to reintroduce bighorn herds. Um, Do we have an idea of how much suitable habitat, suitable bighorn habitat is currently being occupied by sheep in the state? And, you know, like generally, like what are we looking at? Like how much? of the state that can handle bighorn sheep has bighorn sheep, you know, try to get an understanding of, you know, where they're missing. Right. Well, they were once widespread. If you've ever read the Lewis and Clark journals, uh, they found them all along the Missouri river on their way up. So there's some idea, uh, been some look at maybe reintroducing populations into some of those Eastern Montana regions, like maybe along the Yellowstone river, um, but again, it's all about where the domestic sheep are and if that's a problem that uh, they may run into domestic sheep. Um, as far as the most recent introduction was in the Little Belt Mountains. They transferred, I think it was about 80 sheep from along the Missouri breaks into the Little Belts. And that hasn't gone great. They've lost mm-hmm. sheep to pneumonia, they've lost sheep to mountain lions. So um, there's no evidence that those sheep ran into domestic sheep. So it's kind of up in the air about what what happened there, leading to this whole concern about how exactly what's going on that's promoting these outbreaks. Well, yeah. And I mean, so that's my next question. In the introduction, I mentioned die-offs, you know, as a problem to these herds. Can you explain what some of the issues, you know, not just the die-offs, but in general, you already kind of went into it, but what's what's limiting these bighorn populations? Yeah, well, like we saw down in the Tendoys, uh, if people remember that, in southwestern Montana, the population down there just wouldn't grow. It just seemed to be stagnated no matter uh, whether they put more sheep into that area or not. And so the decision was made, let's, let's just kill them all and start over from afresh. And so they, you know, allowed hunters to go in there and kill sheep and uh, also took out sheep with marksmen because it's hard to eliminate them in these rough areas. And last year planted new sheep in the area in hopes that, um, you know, this, this cycle of, uh, in, in uh, infestation would uh, be ended that uh, these long-term carriers that may not be sick themselves 
maybe affecting uh, lambs that aren't allowed to grow old because they get sick or just keep recycling this uh, virus through the herds. So we've been talking about a lot of the doom and gloom for Montana's sheep herds, but um, where are, you know, bighorns doing well in Montana? You mentioned um, they transplanted some out of the breaks herd. Um, My guess is if they're pulling sheep out of a herd, that's probably a good sign that that herd's doing pretty well. Do we have an idea of where where bighorns are doing well in the state? Yeah, yeah, that's one of the herds that's... uh really done well and it's actually more than one herd i guess since they're on both sides of the missouri river and the the breaks uh one of the strongest populations in the state and then the one that's really uh caught a lot of people's attention of course is on wild horse island in flathead lake where uh the world record bighorn sheep was found after it died i think it was over 216 it scored uh boone and crockett and it's just a, it was a huge, huge old ram, and they've had other big rams come over, come out of there that were over 200 as well. So, trophy-sized rams, and those are also ones that they use for transplanting to other populations. Those are isolated too. Um, you know, they don't have to worry about connecting with the domestic sheep there. On the other hand, out in the Missouri breaks, you know, that's certainly a possibility with that wide open country out there, and especially young rams are the ones that are known to wander like many species and maybe go out and bump into a domestic sheep and bring the virus back to the the herd or bacteria, not virus. So, so I guess, uh, why is it the, so I, I think I'm understanding you that the, the herd on wild horse is probably doing well because they're so isolated and they have no interaction with domestic sheep. But do we know why the breaks herds are doing so well? Is it because of, you know, kind of that untouched country out there and they've got so much room to roam? Or, or is there is there another factor at play that, that's leaving, leading to that, that herd success? Yeah, that's one of the things that's really confusing for the scientists is uh, they sheep naturally carry this MOV bacterium. And uh, some herds get sick and die and other herds aren't bothered by it. So research done by Bob Garrett at Montana State University over several years in the GYA and uh, that Hebgen Lake region found that, you know, based on that, uh, it seems like environmental factors may be as much to play as as whether or not they carry this bacteria. So. Um, that's one thing that's really uh, hard to get at because it's, you know, have to understand all the varied uh, ecological factors that may be affecting uh, bighorn sheep on a range. You know, is it about what they're eating, what they're not eating, um, you know, what they're coming into contact with and from other species? It's, it's, it's uh, hard to narrow down. And sometimes these other bacteria may be present and they're just not seeing them when they test them because the tests only pick up the one that's that's flourishing. So maybe it's another bacteria that's under the surface. So yeah, some really tough questions for the scientists to answer on that. Yeah, really complex. Um, you know, when you're dealing with things, you know, not just habitat and environment, but you're dealing with, you know, 
contagious, uh, you know, viruses and bacteria, um, that could be tough to manage and I'm sure t very difficult to study. And so FWP has enlisted, you know, help from other groups. My guess is Wild Sheep Foundation wants to be involved um, and, you know, state universities want to help uh, by way of research. Um, so who all is involved in these studies? Yeah, you're right. The Wild Sheep Foundation is a big backer. Uh, the Montana Wild Sheep Foundation. They've also got uh, the University of Montana Wildlife Co-op is helping out with uh, two of the studies, uh, including one in the Highlands. And then MSU's uh, helping out on the domestic sheep end of things, and they're looking at animal husbandry practices and things like that. So... <clears throat> Do we know of any other, you know, more unusual ways FWP and these partner groups are looking at, you know, as a part of bighorn management? Yeah, they're doing something interesting. And I don't know if you've heard, but dogs can be used to detect cancer in humans. So they're wondering if dogs can also be used to detect the MOV in bighorn sheep. The idea being that um, all these sheep that are transplanted are tested, but they can't get the results back quick enough and they don't want to hold the sheep uh, until they get the test re results back so they release the sheep and won't know until after they release them uh, whether or not they're tested positive or not for exposure so the idea being that if they could get these dogs trained to sniff it out and they could eliminate those infected sheep from transfers the other way would be if they could train dogs to roam with the domestic sheep herds and keep them separate from the bighorn sheep, just like they would keep maybe them separated from coyotes and scare off coyotes or, or wolves. So that's another option that they're looking at. Hmm. Interesting. Well, do you have any, do you have any final thoughts on, on bighorn sheep, Brett, before we get out of here? Well, just, uh, we mentioned at the beginning how much, um, um, people will pay at these uh, auction tags or tag auctions. And every year Montana donates one to the uh, tag auction. And the money, part of the money raised from that auction goes towards bighorn sheep management. And over the past 10 years, it's sold for an average price of $348,500 for one tag. And uh, I think the highest ever paid was 480000 in 2013. So you can see how these uh, can really attract some some notice from um, big game hunters that are looking to take that next trophy and get their name in the record books. Right. And I think it's important, you mentioned this, but it's important to, to put a note on the, that big sum of money that, you know, most, if not all of that revenue and what that, that you know, prospective hunter is paying is going right back into conservation of the species and that's kind of a common approach with these more i don't know exotic isn't the right word but these more rare big game species in the west you know your desert right. bighorns in the south our bighorns mountain goats is that a fair is that a fair characterization of those auction tags yeah for sure they go go towards the conservation and even the mule deer foundation you know auctions off those uh moose tags another one mountain goats. So yeah, those all help fund that conservation work. And another way that FWP can get money uh, other than just license sales to help 
operate or conduct its operations. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, we were just talking about how, you know, the complexity of these studies and, you know, science isn't cheap. So, um, well, anyway, thanks, Brett. All right. Thanks, Tom. Yep. Montana Untamed is a podcast from the newsrooms of Lee Enterprises' Montana newspapers. Visit any of our websites or subscribe wherever podcasts are found. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.